Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler, and today I am bringing you the third and final edition of of our spring practice primer series. Yeah, I know, I know guys, a little late as spring practice did indeed open on Tuesday. As of the time of recording this, we are one practice in, but all the movement on the basketball coaching front pushed things back a little bit over the past couple of weeks. And the reality is that yeah, spring practice has started technically, sure, but very little gets done over the first practice or two. There's the acclimation period. So I think it's still early enough to preview some of the position battles that we haven't gotten to yet. They're going to play out over the course of the next month. We've gotten to most of these, but we still have a few more to cover. Curtis and I preview the entire offense, all of those position battles earlier in the week. I did the secondary a few weeks ago. That's back when I thought we were going to do two episodes for defense, two episodes for offense. It's not going to work out that way. But I did the secondary a few weeks ago in the first edition of the series, which means today I am back to wrap things up with a look at the remainder of the defense. And let's go ahead and jump right in, guys. Let's start up front and work our way back. Now, when you look at our defensive front heading into the 2022 season, heading into spring practice, which again, yeah, I know, already open, but we're close enough, right? There are a lot of questions. We're losing a lot. We're losing... Guys like Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt, Trayvon Walker, all of those losses are well documented. Everyone knows who we're losing, especially our rivals. They're quick to point that out and say, well, Georgia can't possibly be as good as they were last year. You're losing Davis, you're losing Wyatt, you're losing Walker. And that's true. We're losing those guys. But the thing is, we might just have the best of the bunch from 2021 coming back this season. And that's Jalen Carter. I told you guys last year, actually coming into the season, we ran a countdown series counting down the best players on the team. And I think it was the most talented players on the team. And Jalen Carter was inside the top five for me personally, because I felt Jalen Carter had a higher ceiling than anyone along our defensive front, with maybe the exception of Trayvon Walker. I think that might be pretty close, depending on the position that Trayvon plays when he gets to the NFL. And you guys know I love me some Jordan Davis. I think Jordan Davis needed for a little while, but I think he he should have garnered some more legitimate Heisman talk. I know the fact that he only played so many snaps and he wasn't necessarily a three-down defensive lineman, that hurt him. 
I get that, but again, I always go back to what I say with Jordan Davis. That guy was the key to the most dominant defense in the country uh, and historic level Georgia defense. Without him there, we were not going to be as successful stopping the run with even numbers. Therefore, we would have been more vulnerable to giving up explosive passing plays. So I think his impact, whether or not he got he racked up a bunch of sacks and tackles for losses and all those kind of things, his impact was almost immeasurable with what he was able to do and what he was able to allow us to do. But I still say Jalen Carter, in terms of just pure, raw, physical, athletic talent, is the most talented of that bunch. And that's saying something, guys. I'm not trying to slight any of those guys. All three of those guys, Davis, Wyatt, and Walker, when the NFL draft comes next month, have a shot. I'm not saying it's a, it's a done deal, but there's an out, at least an outside chance that all three of those guys will wind up going in the first round. I, I would say right now, I put my money on at least two of those guys, Davis and Walker. We'll see with Wyatt. I think Wyatt helped himself with his combine performance. We'll see how that shakes out and what the team's uh, out there in the NFL, what their team needs are and where he is on their draft board. But I don't think it's crazy to say that maybe three of those guys of the defensive line will end up in the first round of the NFL draft. Maybe not likely, but certainly not crazy. So it's hard to sit here and say, well, yeah, well, Jalen Carter, I mean, he's coming back and he was better than all those guys. I know that's tough to say, but I believe that to be true. Deep in my heart, I believe that to be true. The guy is just flat out explosive. There are literally multiple, multiple, multiple instances of him essentially being in the backfield by the time the offensive lineman in front of him is out of his stance. That's how explosive this guy is. But it's not just that. He's also extraordinarily powerful for the guy that's, he was 300 pounds, still a big dude, but he's almost got like Jordan Davis level power in a 300-ish pound frame with a far greater level of explosiveness that he brings to the table. And this guy, talk about position versatility. He, I, I think clearly he is, he fits best as a three-tech defensive tackle, which is where he's played the, the majority of his career. But he can slide out and play the five and be a pass rusher from the five. He can he can even slide over the center and play a zero, play a one in, in certain situations. Now, he's not going to play the way that Jordan Davis did. He's not going to eat up that kind of space and eat up blockers the way that Jordan Davis did. But he could certainly function inside as a zero or one tech nose guard as well. I mean, he's got so much versatility. This guy can do so many things for us. And he's so insanely talented. I think it's pretty clear he's the best returning interior defense lineman in the country coming in next year. So when you're talking about that kind of player, that's a great place to start. That's the anchor of your defensive line. So fantastic place to start. We know who Jalen Carter is. I mean, the only question now is I don't even want to, I don't even really want to put this out in the universe, but just dear God, Jalen Carter, stay healthy. That's that's all I'm worried about with him right now because that dude is going to be a flat-out monster. Zero questions about that. He's already been that, and he's just going to take it to another level this year. The bigger question, obviously, is going to be who will emerge as those guys around Jalen Carter, around the anchor that is Jalen Carter. And I think we have a lot of really good options here. Now, I will admit it's tough to sit here and say that these options I'm going to run through here are going to operate at a level that we saw from Devontae Wyatt and Trayvon Walker last year. But these guys did see a lot of playing time, some of them, and they were they were pieces to what we were able to do, to do defensively last year. And I want to start with Zion Logue. Of all the guys that are coming back this year that are the candidates to replace the, you know, the, the Wyatts and the Walkers and the Davises of the world, Zion Logue got the most playing time last year. He played 23, almost a quarter of our snaps last year, 23% of our snaps which is a really good place to start. But that's about what Jalen Carter did for us as a freshman. And Lowe showed me something last year. I hadn't seen a ton from him coming into last year, 
But when he got opportunities, I thought he performed at a very high level. He really started to play with good leverage. He's a longer guy, so that's always been one of my concerns with him. Like, is he going to consistently play with the kind of leverage he's going to need to to be an effective player in the trenches in the SEC? And I saw that from him last year. I saw a good, strong punch him. I saw him show the ability to control blockers with his hands. I saw him show the ability to discard from blockers. I saw a good first step. Now, again, not Jalen Carter level. He's not that kind of guy, but very few people are. But I think Zion Logue is going to play a ton for us, 23% of our snaps last year. That number is probably going to be closer to 35 to 40% of our snaps this year. So he's a guy certainly to watch out for. I mean, if I had to predict right now, I still think he's a three-tech guy. I think we'll give him some looks at the zero-tech, but that's not really an ideal spot for him. But he's going to play a ton for us because that guy's got some big-time talent in that frame. Another guy here that I really am interested to see how he develops throughout the spring going to fall camp is Warren Brinson. He played about 15%, actually exactly 15% of our snaps last year. And he's a guy that I think has a lot of explosiveness. I think he needs to continue to grow, get bigger, get stronger. But in terms of like athleticism along the defensive line, this guy's got that. I think he's going to be the thick of the conversation to back up Jalen Carter at the three tech. But he's a guy that hasn't played a ton. As I said, continues to need to grow, develop, get stronger, hit the weight room, you know, really buy into the, the nutrition program, all of that stuff. And I think that he will. And I think he's a guy that's going to factor in the conversation as well. Nazir Stackhouse played a little bit less than, than Brinson last year, played 12% of our defensive snaps. And I, this is a guy that, that I like as well. I, I think he's maybe more powerful than Brinson now. I don't think he's quite as explosive as what Brinson brings to the table, but I do like the power that he brings. I like his size, and he's a guy that's going to be fighting for playing time throughout the, the, the spring and going into the fall as well. A name that I'm really interested to see what kind of step he takes this year was a guy that was a true freshman last year, highly recruited guy that we got pretty late in the cycle, and that's Tyrion Ingram Dawkins. We saw very little, I don't think we really saw any of Ingram Dawkins last year. I think he ended up playing like 10 snaps total on the year. I think that's what it was. So we saw very, very little of him. And he's a guy that I told you guys when he came in as a true freshman last year that his upside, I think, is very, very high. He's got a big upside. However, he's got a ways to go to get to that just from a body standpoint. He's got to continue very much like Brinson, but to an even greater degree. He's got to continue to grow. He's got to hit the weight room. He's got to buy in there. He's got to buy into the nutrition program. He's just got to get his body in shape to be able to function effectively in the trenches in the SEC, which is a very, very difficult thing to do. He was not ready to do that last year. Even if he was, there wasn't really playing time for him. But if we had a bunch of injuries along the defensive line last year, he was not in a position where he's going to be able to really go in there and help us along the defensive lines. But that was last year. This year's a different story. He's got a full year under his belt, a full year in the system, in the weight room with the nutrition program. And I'm very interested to see where he's going to be once G-Day gets here. Because this is a guy that has a ton of athleticism. He's got good length, and I think he can be a really good player. I'm just not sure when that's going to happen. I'm hopeful that it's this year. We'll see. But I'm curious to see how much he's developed once we actually get a chance to see him at G-Day. And I'll, of course, be listing it on people that I know. I'll be He'll be a name author out there asking, like, is he, is he making any waves? Is he showing anything? Because I, I do think that this guy has a very high ceiling. He's just got to get there. And he's, he's certainly not there right now. Uh, kind of on the same lines, I'll throw another name out there. Jonathan Jefferson is a guy that I actually heard some pretty good things about as last year progressed. You know, obviously working on the scout team. But he's a guy like 
Ingram Dawkins, I think has a, a high upside. Pretty raw coming out of high school. Certainly had like all these young guys. If you want to play in the trenches in the SEC, you got to get bigger. You got to get stronger. You got to get more explosive. All of those things. You got to get better with your hands. You just got to be more technically sound. Like Ingram Dawkins, he's just got to continue to develop really in all those areas. And he's just a guy that I'm very interested to see how much he's developed going into year two. I think he can be really good. Is it this year? Like Ingram Dawkins, I'm not sure. I can't guarantee that. I'm not even going to suggest that. But I'm curious to see where he is heading into spring practice and then eventually G-Day where we will get a chance to lay eyes on him. And then of course, a couple months down the road once we get to fall camp. So that's another name to watch just to see kind of where he positions himself. Is he gonna get in line to maybe crack the rotation in some way, shape or form? We'll see, we'll see. Now, obviously the, the biggest question, at least, well, maybe it's not obvious to everyone. To me, obviously the biggest question on the defensive front is who in the world is possibly going to replace Jordan Davis? I've said it before. I'll say it again if you haven't heard me say it. I don't know if that guy is on the roster right now, at least in terms of guys who are going to be available and participating during spring practice. Tymon Mitchell's a guy that once upon a time I thought may be the guy that we were grooming to be that guy, but he's gotten his weight down, from my understanding, back around 300 when he was a guy that was getting close to 320-ish at one time, so maybe he would be that guy. But I don't know. Do we? I don't know if we see him as a zero or one tech. Do we see him more as a three tech? And this guy has played very, very little in his career. I mean, honestly, surprised that he's not been a, a, a transfer casualty. He played four percent of the snaps last year. Obviously, there's a lot of playing time available coming into this year with all the departures along our defensive line. So maybe he sees a chance to try to make a move. And if it doesn't work out, maybe then he'll consider transferring. Or maybe he just wants to stick around. Maybe he loves near Athens. I don't know. But he hasn't played a ton. Again, four percent of our snaps last year. So I'm curious to see where does he fit? Is he still going to try to be a zero one tech nose guard? Is he going to be a three tech guy? I don't think he's a, he's definitely not a five tech as far as I'm concerned, but that's a name to watch there. I think the guy that we have recruited to be the next Jordan Davis is Bear Alexander. Unfortunately, he is not, he's on campus. He's an early enrollee, but he's not going to be participating in spring drills because he had shoulder surgery. Like basically it seems like half of our team has had shoulder surgeries over the past couple months. But he's he's out. I think he's going to end up being that guy. Is he going to be that guy this year? I, I am not ready to say that. I'm very high on Bear Alexander. I think he's going to be a very good player for us. But when you're talking about replacing Jordan Davis as a true freshman in the trenches, in the most physical conference in all the country, that's just a really tough ask. And it's tough to put those kind of expectations on a player coming in as a true freshman. I certainly hope he's up to the task. He's a big, strong, physical guy. Got really good athleticism. He's not as big. He's not as strong, as powerful as Jordan Davis. He's not going to eat up as much space. And and that's my concern is like he's probably of, of the guys on our roster the best fit to be like Jordan Davis, but he is not going to be Jordan Davis. Now, he does things better than Jordan Davis does. Again, he's more explosive, more athletic than Jordan. But, and I, actually, I don't even know. That's a tough thing to say. If you saw the show that Jordan Davis put on at the NFL Combine, I mean, that was some serious athleticism at 6'6", 340 pounds. Bear is just smaller, and I'd say maybe he's a touch more explosive, but again, he's just, he's just not Jordan Davis. I don't think we have that guy. I think we're going to have to operate a little bit differently up front on the defense this year and next year until we find the next Jordan Davis. And I mean, those guys don't grow on trees. We might not find the next Jordan Davis for a couple years, if ever, to be honest with you. But I think Bear, when he gets healthy, is going to be that type of guy. I just, I'm concerned about, is it going to be this year? I think that's a gaping hole in our roster right now. 
who is going to be that zero tech nose guard? And if we don't have that guy on the roster, which again, I, I'm not sure that we do, how are we going to adjust what we do defensively to compensate for that? Because you might not have a guy that can rely on to consistently eat up doubles and sometimes even triple teams get certain teams and eat up that space and free up your linebackers to run free and just dominate. And I think that we need to find a guy that can do something like that or adjust what we're doing defensively a little bit. But I have all the faith in the world in our defensive brain trust to get that done because I trust those guys almost implicitly. They've done a fantastic job. So that's what we're, look that's what we're looking at on the interior of the defensive line with the zero and three technique. The five technique's gonna be an interesting spot here. We don't have a ton of depth at that true five tech defensive end, which is what Trayvon Walker played last year. Trayvon played a ton of snaps for us last year, guys. He actually played more than any single defensive lineman that we have on the roster. He played 60% of our snaps, and a big part of that was his position versatility. Obviously, he was a starter at the five tech, but when we're in our dime package, he could slide inside and play as a three tech. Even at times, you see him at the, at the zero tech, you want to get him matched up on the center, game over, lights out. So he played a ton for us. Like Jordan Davis, I, I'm not sure who that guy is going to be right off the bat. Obviously, the guy who played behind him, backed him up last year, was Tramel Walthour. Tramel is back this year. That's great news. Played 27% of our snaps, about a quarter of our snaps, a little bit more than a quarter of our snaps. So he's got some experience, and I thought he did some good things for us. However, he, as we all know, is not Trayvon Walker. He is not that level explosive. He's just simply not. He doesn't have that kind of position versatility. He's a good, more than serviceable player. I don't want to disrespect him and say, oh, he's just serviceable. I think he's better than that. But I also think it's fair to say he's not a dynamic player. However, he is the guy that is returning and played more than a quarter of our snaps. So you have to imagine that he's going to get the first look there. But the guy that I am really setting my eyes on as the long-term answer, at least for the next couple of years, is a true freshman early enrollee. I mentioned this guy before. I'll mention him a lot more by the time we get to the 2022 season. And that's Michael Williams. This guy is a monster. He's going to be a monster. I called my shot last year coming into the season with Brock Bowers. I told you guys I felt he was going to have the biggest impact of that recruiting class. I'm calling my shot again this year. We'll see if I'm right. I don't know, but I love Michael Williams. His tape just jumps out at you. This guy is explosive, personified at the five tech. He could truly play outside linebacker if he wanted to. If we wanted him to play there, he absolutely could function there and function effectively there. Played a high level at that position. But I think with his body at about 265 pounds, given the weight room with the nutrition program, I think he'll probably end up being about the size of Trayvon Walker. Now, he looks a little bit different. He's longer than Trayvon, but about 270, 275 pounds is, I think, what he'll probably play at. And I think he is a prototype five-tech guy in our scheme, and I think he's going to be a nightmare for teams at that position. Just like Trayvon Walker was, I think Michael Williams can be that kind of guy. Now, he might not start the season as the quote-unquote starter, but I think give him a couple games, give him a couple weeks, get some experience, continue to develop. I think by, I don't know, let's say just spitballing here at the midpoint of the season, this guy is going to take control of that position. I think he's that good, and only will he take control of that position. I think this guy could potentially compete for like SEC freshman of the year honors. I think he's that good. I think he's that kind of guy. Now, he doesn't play a position. Now, our five-tech guy, I mean, even Trayvon, is probably going to be a first-round pick. But he, like Up until this year, he didn't really have like first-round production. Even this year, they didn't put up those kind of sacks because that's not what we really ask from our five-tech guys. So maybe that works against him a little bit. But in terms of talent, 
he is as good as anyone that we have in this class. In terms of talent, I think he's as good as anyone in the country coming into college football this season. I am that high on him. He was originally committed to USC. I am so happy that they had their coaching change and that opened the door back for us to be able to get back in there and eventually flip Michael Williams to the good guys. And we are going to be very, very excited to have him for a couple of years. I think we're having him for three years and he's that kind of guy. So I'm very excited to see how he develops. Obviously with, with all freshmen, your head's spinning, man. Your head is spinning that first couple of weeks, first couple of practice, really all the spring practice because you've never done it before. You're trying to learn the plays, get accustomed to how we do our practices, the meeting rooms, you know, just really honestly, I know you guys don't think about this, but it's a big deal for these guys that are freshmen, just organizing your day, you know, time management, managing your time between school, football, the actual practice, meetings, all those demands, that's tough for these guys. So it's going to be a whirlwind for him, but he's a guy that I bet at some point by the end of spring practice, you're going to hear about this guy flashing here, flashing there. And he's probably going to, he's going to play at G-Day and he's going to make some plays and you're like, whoa, this guy is going to be good. He might be one of those guys where you're at G-Day with your buddy, you tap on the shoulder, like, who is that guy? And it's Michael Williams when you look it up. That's what I think you're going to see from Michael Williams. I'm extraordinarily, I could not be more high on this guy's potential. We just got to hope that it de- that he develops sooner rather than later because we don't have a ton of depth at that position. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right, let's move over to the outside linebackers. And I think it's pretty clear who the top two guys are going to be. I mean, it's obvious the top two guys are going to be. It's going to be Nolan Smith and it's going to be Robert Beal, just like it was last year. Now, of course, we did have Adam Anderson last year. He was in the mix. So it started out Nolan, Beal, Adam Anderson. It ended up Nolan and Beal pretty much with... A smattering of Chaz Chambers and MJ Sherman here or there. But both those guys are back. Nolan, I, I love it. He was interviewed the first, after the first day of spring practice, and they asked him, you know, why did he come back? He's seen all your teammates, your former teammates, have all this, this success at the NFL Combine. And he was like, mom, I did it for my mama. My mama wanted me to come back and get my, my college degree. And so the NFL, she don't care about none of that NFL stuff. She wants me to get my degree. And that's very indicative of, of Nolan Smith and the kind of family he comes from. Just a fantastic young man that comes from a fantastic family. And I was thrilled when he announced he was coming back. I thought there was a really good chance he would come back because he didn't put up the numbers that I think he is capable of putting up 
when he's given more opportunities to actually rush the passer and put in those situations, kind of let loose, let off the leash a little bit. But I also knew if he went to the NFL Combine, he would blow it up like all of our other guys did a couple of weeks ago. So I, I didn't know if he would come back or not. When he announced he was coming back, I thought that was huge for us as another piece to build around with guys like Jalen Carter and Chris Smith and Keely Ringo. Because, you know, about midway through the season, I was thinking, man, we, we might have like one or two returning starters on our defense and everyone else is new. And that's uh, that is a concerning proposition to say the least. But knowing that Chris Smith comes back, knowing that Nolan Smith's come back, that really kind of puts you more at ease. We still, still are obviously losing a lot. But having a guy like Nolan come back, a leader like Nolan Smith, the kind of guy he is, the locker room presence he is, that's huge for our team. And he's a hell of a player too. And I still think his best football is ahead of him. I think we're going to see that this year. He played a ton for us last year. Obviously, with, with Adam Anderson going out with, with his situation, that thrust Nolan into even more playing time. He played 50% of our defensive snaps. Robert Beal's back. He played 33% of our snaps. He got, really, it was Beal who got more playing time once Anderson went out. Nolan was already playing a ton. We were using Anderson situationally more than anything. Nolan was like our true, legit outside linebacker. He was that guy. Beal came in a lot in, in obvious passing situations to rest the passer, which I always found kind of interesting. I, I, I perceive Nolan to be the more dynamic pass rusher, the more explosive pass rusher than Robert Beal. So I always thought it was kind of interesting. I, I you, Clearly, you know why we're using Adam, Adam Anderson in that role. That's what that guy did. He got after the quarterback. But Beal is a good player, and he does a good job of that as well. I just... I, my perception still is that Nolan is a better candidate to do that than Robert Beal, but that was Beal's role. And with both guys coming back, you probably imagine that's his role again. But with a guy like Trayvon Walker moving on, we use him a lot in our dying packages, you know, in, in terms of rushing the passer. You got to imagine Nolan's going to get more looks there as well. And I, I certainly hope so for his sake is that's where he's going to put those sack numbers. I think he's, he's capable of double digit sacks. Will he get there? I don't know, but he's capable of that. And uh, I think if we give him more opportunities to do that, he can put up that kind of production, which will certainly help his NFL draft stock. So those are going to be the top two guys at outside linebacker. We know that. And I think we also know who are going to be the guys fighting to back them up. And that's, once again, MJ Sherman, who was a, a once upon a time a five-star prospect, ends up being a, a high four-star guy when his class was all said and done. And then Chaz Chambliss, who was a guy that was not under-recruited, was, was a, a solid four-star prospect. But a lot of people kind of just wrote him off when he came in here. Ah, he's a guy that's not going to do that much. He'll be a special teams player. But Chaz really showed me something last year, man. Uh, he's not as explosive as a, as Adam Anderson or Nolan Smith. He's not that kind of guy, but he's plenty explosive enough. He's got really good strength. He's a weight room warrior. And he just plays lights. He just plays balls out, man. Like, I'm just going to be honest with that. That's, I, you know, sorry about that offends anyone. He, he just plays hard. That's what that guy does. He has an incredibly high motor. And he wants to get better. He works. And when you have that, you're going to be a productive player. Is Chad Chambliss ever going to be a dominant outside linebacker? No, I don't think so. But he's going to be productive for us. You don't have to be dominant to be able to contribute to us winning football games. And I think that's Chad Chambliss in a nutshell. Now, MJ Sherman's a guy I do think has a higher upside. He's just, now he's battled some injuries. You got to be fair to him. And he also has had a tough time getting on the field because there are some great players ahead of him. But now I think is the time for him to take that next step. We'll see. I mean, as the year wore on last year, it was Chambliss once he kind of got his feet wet and got more experience. 
who was getting those third outside linebacker reps behind Nolan and Beal. It wasn't Sherman. Sherman got a few here and there, but it was more Chambliss than it was Sherman. I think Sherman has a higher physical upside. He's just got to continue to work and develop to get there. And once the light goes on for him, I think if he gets more opportunities, I think he's going to be very productive as well. Potentially, you know, going in, I mean, he's right now you're expecting him, you know, after next year going to 2023 to be that guy for us. And I think he's going to start to show signs of that, but I would love to see him make a move and, and kind of hear some reports coming out of spring practice that this guy's starting to turn the corner, the light's coming on. He's starting to show people why he was as highly rated as he was. I believe in him. We just got to see him do it on the field. And uh, I do think that's going to happen. That's certainly a name to watch and a guy that I'm going to be watching very, very closely here over the next couple of weeks heading into G-Day. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. And finally, the last position group to talk about to preview here are my dearly beloved inside linebackers. I'm an old inside linebacker myself. I'm an old inside linebacker coach. I love this position. I watch this position closer than I watch any other position. And I am, honestly, I know we're losing a ton, a ton of talent at that position with N'Kobe Dean and Quay Walker and Channing Tindall. And how about Channing Tindall? Honestly, I'm not altogether surprised. I felt like he would blow up the NFL Combine because... I mean, if you guys have watched, we knew how athletic, how explosive, how fast this guy was, but he's opening even my eyes. I felt like he would put up the best numbers of our inside linebackers, but I didn't even predict the kind of numbers that this guy's put up. Guys, I don't know if you saw his pro day. He put up a 3-8-6 short shuttle. That is ridiculous. I mean, ridiculous doesn't even do justice to what that is. I mean, if you're under four, that's elite. 3 8 6 Inside linebacker, Jesus Christ, that's just like, un, that's unheard of, and that's like absurd level stuff. And Quay Walker put on a show with a three-cone drill at 6'4", 242. I think he helped himself out. I told y'all coming in the season, I thought there was a chance that Quay Walker might end up in like, you know, at some point, maybe tail end of the first round, that he might be a first-round touted inside linebacker. And I, I can't say or guarantee that's going to happen, but I think with his performance at his size, at the combine, at pro day, I think there's an outside shot. So we're losing a ton of talent. Obviously, we know what N'Kobe Dean's capable of. He didn't do really any of the drills at the uh, the Combine. He was going to do stuff at Pro Day, the 40 and all that stuff. But he hurt his pec doing bench press, preparing for Pro Day. And he really couldn't participate. He was there today, but he couldn't participate. But we know what that guy's about. We know what he brings to the table. So we are losing three, I, I think it's fair to say, three elite players in that position. So on the surface, you're like, oh my God, we're in trouble there. And from an experience standpoint, that would be true. I'm not going to argue with you from the experience standpoint. But from a talent standpoint, we got some dudes, man. We got some players. We got some guys. Some guys are going to end up being flat out monsters. They're not there yet, but they can be that. 
And that's why I'm excited. I'm so excited about inside linebacker. I, I think the guard position is wide open, although apparently Warren Erickson's coming back. I wasn't aware of that, but he's back. He was doing interviews after spring practice, so maybe it's not as wide open as I thought it was going to be. But inside linebacker is literally wide open. The three guys that played last year, they're gone. They're gone. Not one of them is coming back. So it's wide open. Now, there are some injuries at inside linebacker. One guy that's not hurt right now, though, is Jamon Dumas Johnson. He played about him and Smile Mondin were really our, our number four and five inside linebackers last year. And they were both freshmen. They played 10% of our snaps each, and I thought they both flashed and did really good things for us when they were out there, when they got opportunities. There wasn't a lot of opportunity, but when they got out there, Kind of like Dejan Edwards at running back, they made the most of those opportunities. Dumas Johnson actually had a pick six, you know, at one point. So both those guys played really well. Smile Mondin is crazy athletic. Like when he goes to the NFL combine in a couple years, he's going to be the guy putting the kind of numbers that Quay Walker and Channing Tindall were putting up the past couple of weeks. He's going to be that guy. And that guy is flat out insanely athletic. Dumas Johnson, also highly athletic, but in a bigger frame. And this is a guy that I think is going to be a stud. I think he's going to be really, really good for us. For my understanding, he is healthy 100%. He's one of those guys that hasn't been able to fight off the injury bug. And I think he's going to get, a, I know he's going to get a lot of opportunities, a lot of snaps. And I think he's going to make a move and really show the coach or something and position himself to go into fall camp as a penciled in starter at that position. Mondin is, from my understanding, out for spring. He had to undergo a procedure, a minor thing, but he's out for spring. Ryan Davis and Trezor Marshall are both back. They're in their fourth year now, man, which is crazy to believe, but both guys were highly rated coming out of high school four years ago now. Hard to believe, but both of those guys have battled injury after injury since getting here to Athens. It's been tough for them, but I'm still very high on both of them. Ryan Davis is a guy that I think had, I mean, he, he was hurt even in high school, man, so it sucks for this guy. But he's got a lot of athleticism and a lot of ability at 240 pounds when he's healthy. Tresman is a guy that was a bigger, thicker guy in high school, but he's kind of slimmed down. He's gotten his body in shape and he's become more athletic when he's gotten opportunities, which have been few and far between because he has been injured so often. But if those guys can stay healthy in their fourth year, I think they can start to make a move. Maybe, and if not as a starter, at least to be in the rotation. They have the most experience in terms of being around the program, going to practice out of all the guys. So you would like to think this is a year that they could make a move, but for them, really the key is just staying healthy. And my understanding is for spring practice, they're both going to be able to take part in drills, but they're going to be limited, which, you, I mean, how much of a move can you make if you're limited, if you can't do everything? So that's tough for them, but I'm still high on both those guys and their talent. The question is, can they stay healthy? Now, the two guys that are going to get a lot of work, probably more work than they expected to get coming into spring practice, are the true freshmen, both early enrollees, Jalen Walker and CJ Washington. I am, you guys know I, how high I am on Jalen Walker. If you listen to the show, if, you, if you've listened to our recruiting episodes, I, I, I told you guys I'm calling my shot with Michael Williams. Jalen Walker is a very, very close second to Michael Williams. I mean, really, it's, I think the three best players in this class are Michael Williams, Jalen Walker and Malachi Starks. At least based on the tape that I have seen, those three, I mean, we have a bunch of good players. They're all very, very talented, but those three stand out to me more than others. And Jalen Walker is just a slight bit behind Michael Williams. But this dude, I've said it before, I'll say it again right now as we're talking about inside linebackers. I think Jalen Walker is the next in line to be that next 
great Georgia inside linebacker, following the likes of Roquan Smith, N'Kobe Dean, and I think Jalen Walker could be that kind of guy. I think that highly, I think he's that athletic, I think he's that explosive, I think he's that polished coming out of high school. This guy really is the total package at inside linebacker. The problem is, of course, as a true freshman in your first spring practice, your very first practices ever as a Georgia Bulldog, like all true freshmen, your head is going to be spinning. But the mere fact that he's going to get as many reps as he's going to get with guys like Ryan Davis and Tresman Marshall, Limited, Smile Mondin out for the spring, he's going to get a ton of reps. And the more reps you get, the quicker you get your head to stop spinning, right? He's going to make a ton of mistakes early on. The coaches know that. He knows that. But as long as he does it 100 miles an hour and he learns from those mistakes, he's going to get better. I think he's going to make a lot more progress this spring than he otherwise would if all those guys were fully healthy and fully cleared to do everything this spring. So I'm really high on him, and I think this is a really big opportunity for Jalen Walker. He's not going to win a starting job this spring, but he can certainly put himself in the conversation, put himself in position to go into fall camp with a legitimate shot to win that job. We'll see. We'll see. It's tough to put those expectations on a true freshman, but the opportunity is there, and that's all you can ask for right now. And you can say a lot of the same things about C.J. Washington. C.J. Washington comes out of Cedartown just like Nick Chubb. Him and Nick Chubb are actually very close. They're big buddies. Uh, he's, I don't want to say a protege of Nick Chubb, but he works out with Nick. Nick's kind of taking him under his wing, all those things. Nick's just, I mean, we know how incredible Nick Chubb is. But he goes back to Cedartown all the time, works out with those guys as part of that program. Just a, an all-time DGD, man. Like, Nick Chubb is the best, like, literally the best. But C.J. Washington is going to bring the Nick Chubb-esque attitude and work ethic into Athens. And when you have that matched with the level of athleticism and talent that he has, that is a fantastic combination. It is very tough to count out a guy with that combination. Now, he is more raw at inside linebacker. That's why I don't include him and don't talk about him the way I talk about Jalen Walker. But it's not about athleticism and ceiling and potential. He's got that in spades. He just was more of a running back in high school. He did play some inside linebacker. That was like not really like his number one position. That everyone knew that's what he was going to be at the next level. But that at high in high school, you know, they need him at running back. He's the he's the best athlete on the team. And what do you do in high school? You put your best athlete at running back, and he just runs over people, right? And that's what they did with C.J. Washington. He was really good at it. He could play running back for us and do it at a high level. But he's gonna play linebacker. And I, I'm going to be watching him very closely. He, like Walker, he's going to get a ton of reps. So his development is going to be accelerated compared to what it would be if all those guys were healthy. So I don't like the fact that Smile Mondin is not healthy right now and is not going to be going through spring practice. I, I think that might, I don't want to say it's going to set back his development, but it's not going to help. And he's a guy that I'm extraordinarily high on as well. I mean, again, his athleticism is off the charts type stuff. He needs to continue to grow and get bigger and stronger, develop the body. But athleticism, that ain't the problem with him. So I would like to see him out there and develop. I want to see more of Davis and Marshall and see what they can do in their fourth years. But I'm also really excited to see what Walker and Washington as early enrollees are going to be able to do with the opportunities that are going to be at hand for them this spring. I'm very excited for both those guys. I want to see what kind of move they can make. I mean, I basically have said this about everyone, I feel like, but I'm going to be watching them very closely at G-Day, and I'm going to be bugging people I know around the program about those guys. I'm be asking, like, hey, man, have you heard anything on the early enrollees, like Jalen Walker, Washington, what those guys are doing? A lot of times I don't like to ask about specific names because I, I don't want to, like, put a thought in their mind, like, make them kind of build up what they're doing more than actually what the reality is. 
I kind of like to just leave it open-ended, like, hey, like, who's standing out? Like, which of the early enrollees are, like, making a move right now? Those kind of things. And I'm curious to see if the feedback I get, if I get any feedback, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't, but are Walker and Washington going to be part of the group that's like showing signs of flashing and making moves. We'll see. I'm very excited about that. And I, I'm curious to see how much they take advantage of the opportunities that will be at hand for them uh, this spring. But uh, all right, guys, that's it, man. That's it. We've wrapped up our spring practice primary series where we're trying to preview all of these position battles heading into spring practice. Yeah, again, I know technically spring practice has started, but barely, barely. So we can fit one more in. No big deal. And uh, Curtis and I will be back next week. Curtis is actually in Miami this weekend for his mock trial or whatever it is with Law School. Not mock trial. Moot court. That's it. Moot court. He's in Miami for a moot court competition. Actually, Coral Gables, which is not as cool as like Miami, Miami, but close enough. But uh, he's there this weekend. He's supposed to be coming back Monday, so we'll try to get him on the back half of next week. I think we're going to run a mailbag episode to start next week. we got a bunch of questions that we've been saving up, but there's plenty of room for more questions. So if you have any questions you want us to discuss on the show, whether it's basketball, football, NFL draft, spring practice, whatever it is, whatever's on your mind, whatever you want us to discuss, please send us those questions. You can hit us up on Twitter. It's at glory underscore UGA. You can DM us. You can just tweet us. It doesn't matter. You can hit us up on Instagram. You can also email us at podcast at gmail.com. And we'll get to that first thing next week. And then Curtis and I, late next week, we'll wrap up week one of spring practice. We'll kind of just go back, look at what we learned and recap all that stuff for you guys. So a lot of good stuff next week for you guys as well. Enjoy the insulate tournament, guys. It's fun. It's one of my favorite. Actually, the first weekend is one of my favorite weekends of the entire year. Obviously, football is number one for me, but like March Madness, the first round, second round, it's so much fun. I love it so much, guys. So I hope you guys enjoy it as much as I am. Maybe next year we'll be in it. Probably not, but maybe. Who knows? At some point in the hopefully near future, we'll be able to be talking about Georgia basketball right now in the NCAA tournament. That is certainly a wish of mine. Uh, as long as we've been running this podcast, we have never made the NCAA tournament. It was the last time, 2010, I think, was the last time we made the tournament. And we were not doing the podcast then. So I have never actually gotten to cover an NCAA tournament, a Georgia NCAA tournament game on this podcast. And that is certainly high up my wish list. So maybe next year, who knows? We'll see. But uh, enjoy it, guys. Have a great weekend. I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs. Go dogs.